0: Okay, good morning, everyone. There may be uh, a few more people trickling in, but uh, we may as well get started, because I know time is always a a bit of an issue with getting through uh, the form material. Um, So, first of all, thank you, everyone, for coming. Um, I know we've got a a smaller group here today, but hopefully that will uh, um, encourage uh, some good dialogue. Um, Again, as as I always hope, but it seems like it never happens, I would like to have a little bit of time at the end for some discussions, for some questions. Um, but uh, I, I know that that's difficult, but we'll, we'll do the best we can. And I am trying to keep my talking to a minimum. Uh, I realize that um, a lot of uh, us, what we, what we really don't need is more theory, um, but we need more of the practical aspect of um, of the implications of, of these topics in our lives. So. Before we get into things, I'd like to just go over sort of a brief outline of, of what we'll be covering. Um, so the, uh, I'll begin um, by sharing just a few comments, maybe for about 10 or 15 minutes, um, and then we have a panel here. We have um, five of those who have agreed to uh, share some of their own experiences and um, give some insights. What I've done is put together some, some questions um, that they'll be able to answer um, to hopefully, I, I call them FAQs, Frequently Asked Questions. Hopefully that will um, sort of uh, cover most of the, sort of the general questions that many of us would have on these particular topics as, as we discuss them. Um, and then again, at the end, if we, if we have some time, we'll open the floor up and hopefully we can have some meaningful discussion there. So um, let's begin. Uh, I'd like to, to start by creating an image in your head. Um, so let's get some, some imagery going here. I'd like to, for you, uh, for a moment, to picture a tree. Um, now, this is not an immature tree. This is a, a fully grown tree. Um, so imagine for, for a moment, you know, roots that go deep into the ground. Um, imagine uh, a trunk, the trunk of the tree that is, is thick and broad, um, that goes high. And, and the branches of that tree that reach out far. Um, and on the, the branches of that tree are, are vegetation. You've got the greenery um, that, really, uh, that really just fills in the tree. If I had to use one word to describe this tree, uh, I would say that this tree is thriving. It's, it's totally just, just thriving. It's, it's full um, and it's, it's ready. It's everything that it should be, everything that you would imagine in a mature tree. Um, now the, the image that I've created uh, actually is not my own. It, uh, it's from um, Psalms chapter 1 where um, we know the verses that talk about uh, the tree that is planted by the rivers of water. Um, and uh, we have this tree that, that, that just it, it's, deeps are, its roots are going so deep and just getting all of its nourishment from this flowing water that is, is right next to this tree um, now, I'd like for you to imagine that, that we, in many ways, are like that tree. Um, and as Christians, we are called um, to, uh, to dig deep, and um, we're also called to reach out. And uh, in the form description that I had, I had written, as followers of Christ, we are called to dig deep and reach out, but sometimes we can lose the balance between these two. And this is a struggle that I have in my own life, um, just as I kind of approach this topic and thought, how, how can we set the stage for this? Um, we think about, you know, digging deep and reaching out. The, a lot of times in our lives, we, there, there are some of those who are either one or the other, but they're not both. So, um, just to, uh, let's talk about digging deep first. You know, we've got those people who, they're all about digging deep. They're all about you know just reading the word going to all the bible studies they've got all the theory they've got all the knowledge but they're not reaching out they don't have any fruit they don't have any substance of 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 what what they're doing and then you've got the other people who you know they're just saved and they just want to go out there and they want to preach to everybody and they want to reach out to everybody that they can but they don't have any roots they don't have anything that's really holding them. And we know that um, the, the parable that Jesus gave of the sower and the seed, where there was those who, um, who fell on the wayside, and, and they didn't have any roots. And what happened when the first storm came? They were just blown over. So um, for us, I think just as a foundation of, before we get into this topic of, of, um, of outreach, we need to remember that we need to be rooted um, our roots need to go deep, uh, and I think of the example of Jesus Christ, because he was such a perfect example of, of, of one who um, really had, you know, a close relationship with his father. We read that he had a desire to do the will of his father, and, um, and then uh, we saw how much he was able to reach out to those around him, and uh, hopefully that can be an encouragement to us. As I mentioned, I want this form to be practical, so really the, the focus of this form will be talking about about reaching out but let's not forget the foundation of that is that we need to have that root structure we need to have a close relationship with the lord we need to be in his word we need to be praying and from that naturally comes the fruit that we read about in john 15 that you know you shall be known by their fruits and you know as long as we are connected to the vine we will have um, we will be reaching out and producing that fruit that we are called to um, so let's uh, move on. The next section that I have is called motivation. Um, now, in the, in the introduction that I had, I asked the question, you know, how many of us, uh, you know, who here believes that it's important to reach out? And I think the obvious answer that we all have is, yes, you know, that is something that's important. Um, but the reality is that most of us, and I'm speaking for myself first, we struggle with this concept. Um, I'll be honest. I, and when, I'm, when I'm sincere with myself... I actually oftentimes don't have much of a desire to reach out, um, and that the fruit of that is evident in my life. And I think really the, the um, you know, the, the issue with that is that I don't recognize where the need is. You know, on a surface level, when, when we have relationships that are, are, are not deep, um, we would look around us, and to me at least, I would think that, you know, everything looks good, whether it's my neighbors, you know, I just chat with them casually. And, you know, it seems like they've got everything together. You know, they don't seem to have any real issues in their lives. Maybe it's my co-workers. Maybe it's those that I interact with uh, just on a, on a daily basis or within the community. Everything seems like it's fine. But the reality is that most people um, have issues in their lives. And if we can get to that, <clears throat> that next level where we, where we realize and we recognize that. People are struggling, there are those out there who are hurting, those who are lonely, those who are confused, Um, even those who are hungry, those with physical needs, um, they are out there, but we just don't have the eyes to see that, and I believe that that's a gift from God, and that's something that needs to come through prayer, um, is that we need to call out to God and ask that he would reveal to us that need, that we would have eyes to see and a, a beautiful verse that uh, I think portrays this, again, going back to the, the perfect example of Jesus Christ, Matthew 9:36. 36, um, this is speaking of Jesus, says, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest is truly plenteous, but the labors are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth labors into his harvest. We need to have that heart of compassion that Jesus had. We need to have the eyes to see, to recognize that there are those out there who are struggling, um, even though those that are closest to us, and that, that it may not seem like it on a surface level. Uh, and then uh, um, the next verse that I had up here, Second uh, Corinthians 1, 3, and 4, just a preface to this, I think uh, one of the issues that I struggle with uh, is the issue of qualification. Sometimes I feel like, who am I that I can, you know, if I get, if I get to that point where I, I recognize the need, I say, well, who am I that I can reach out to this person? Um, but we read in Second in Corinthians 1, verses 3 and 4, Blessed be the God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercy and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulations, that we may be able to comfort them which are in trouble by the same comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted. We can give comfort to others. We can reach out to others because we have been reached out to. And when, we, when that is deep in us and when we understand that, I think um, we see that, you know, the, I think of the verse, of uh, freely you receive, freely give. Um, w- so much has been done for us. God has reached out to us and we are now called to reach out to others. Um, and that leads us to this quote here that I found which I thought was very insightful. Um, the hands and feet of Jesus Christ has no body on earth but yours no hands but yours no feet but yours yours are the eyes through which Christ's compassion for the world is to look out yours are the feet with which he is to go about doing good and yours are the hands which he is to bless us now we are the body of Christ Um, our calling is to reach out Um, we are God's hands and feet here on this earth and I've always wondered, you know, why um, when we when we were saved, when we became um, a, a child of God, um, why didn't God just take us up to heaven? You would think, you know, that would be so nice. We're, you know, we're His child now, and He can just bring us up to heaven. And and I used to have this false thinking that, oh well, you know, we just need to sort of endure the rest of our life. Um, eternal life begins now, and we are His kingdom here on this earth until His heavenly kingdom comes, um, which we know is coming and coming very soon. So, just keep that in mind um, that, that we really, really, we are the hands and the feet of, of, of Jesus Christ here on this earth. And um, just pray that we would have the, the same compassion and, and level of, of desire to, um, to reach out uh, that Christ had. Being intentional. Uh, the word intentional, um, some adjectives there are done on purpose or deliberate. Um, I think this really comes at to to the, as we try to get into the practical applications of this, um, being intentional uh, or being deliberate in our outreach efforts is the most important thing. Um, Having good intentions and being intentional are two different things. Let me say that again. Having good intentions and being intentional are two different things. You know, we may go through this form today and, and listen to, you know, those who will share their experiences and we may... Um, say yeah, you know, I, I really should be, you know, you know, I really should be reaching out more. But if we leave this form and we just leave with those good intentions and are not intentional in actually fulfilling those things and reaching out, um, it was really pointless. There, there's really no purpose of us to be here today. Um, so you know, ju- let's just remember that um, you know we we need to be intentional, and uh, I think naturally we are intentional in. The things that interest us. So this is now getting back to sort of where is the need, the motivation. Um, you know, if I was, uh, if I had a, a desire, if I was interested in, let's say, um, becoming more fit, um, you know, I, I, I decided to maybe um, pick up running because you know I wanted to, to be more fit and just uh, exercise. You know, if that's a desire of mine, um, I will be committed to that. I will have to be intentional in that. That you know, I'm going to commit myself to maybe three days a week. I'm going to go for a run. Uh, because there's something that I want from that. I want to, to, to exercise and I want to, um, you know, work out because I want to be fit. I'm intentional in that effort. Um, in the same way, we need to be intentional in our effort to reach out. Um, it, it, I think it's not something that comes naturally. I know that there are those that have a gift to this, but the reality is the majority of us, um, if we are not intentional, we will not be reaching out as we ought to. Um, and we'll come up with every excuse that, that we can find, you know, whether it's, I'm too busy, or we'll say, oh, it's just not my thing. Um, we can make up any excuse, but the reality is that um, we're just not being intentional. So um, there's uh, many different avenues uh, of outreach um, that uh, we can, you know, be involved in. Um, this list that I have here is definitely not all-encompassing, um, but for the sake of this form and for the sake of time, I've, I've just sort of broken it down um, into a few different categories, um, so, some of those categories or avenues of outreach are um, outreach to our neighbors, um, outreach to those within the community. Um, so, that would be sort of the broader community, whether it's in our schools or, or uh, even just those kind of in, the, in a broader sense. Um, also, outreach to the needy or homeless, so a specific group of people who have um, a, a specific need. Uh, outreach in our schools and our workplace, um, so that would be our coworkers or our classmates and an outreach specifically to the lost and the unsaved. Um, so what I'd like to do is, uh, we're gonna go through um, each of these categories, and um, I'll be inviting up the, um, those who are involved in the panel here um, to share some of their own experience um, that they've made um, in these specific areas. I think uh, I can speak on behalf of, of them and myself. Uh, none of us are, are experts um, in this area. Um, I think none of us can say that that we have any particular great amount of wisdom, but um, this is an effort that we've all made. And and I could just speak from my own experience. I have had some, uh, you know, involvement in in outreach um, in my own life, but uh, by no means am I saying or feel like I can stand up here and and say, you know, this is the way that it ought to be done. But I'm hoping that just by sharing these experiences, we'll be able to um, um, learn from each other and hopefully encourage each other in that so um, we're going to uh, go on to the first category here, which is outreach to our neighbors. And I'll just set the stage, and then I'll invite uh, Brother Josh to come up and share a little bit. Um, there was a, a neat quote that I found here. It says, living in a neighborhood is not the same thing as being a neighbor, and loving your neighbor should include reaching them. I, I think for me, probably the, the biggest struggle um, with even just with neighbors is the fact that I, I don't even really know a lot of my neighbors. And I think that's sort of the first, the first step in it. But uh, why don't I call up Josh, and he can share for a few minutes. Um, and then we'll go through some of those questions that I, I've put together. And um, and then we'll, we'll move on.
1: Hello, all. Um, my name is Josh, for those of you that don't know me. Um, so this is reaching out to neighbors is something that uh, God has really stirred up in Shelly and I's life. Um, when we first got married, um, God seemed to really nurture this uh, this love for those around us, where we lived uh, physically in our neighborhood, and um, I have to say, I think it uh, it really begins with uh, really appreciating what we as Christians actually have. Um, so I really appreciate uh, that picture that Ben put up of a well rooted tree because um, that's really what God had Shelley and I see. Um, he made us realize that the gift that we have been given of salvation, um, of having Jesus Christ in our lives and, and living a life that is so joyful and you know, beyond whatever this world can give us, that is what spurs um, us on to reach out to our neighbours. And I think, I think that is foundational for any kind of outreach is to really appreciate what Jesus has done for us because in appreciating that, we'll be so excited to spread that out to uh, those around us. So when Shelly and I were first married, we lived um, in a newly developed neighborhood. And uh, while we didn't, have a, we didn't do so much hosting, um, we, we tried to be very intentional um, in talking first, to neighbors when we were outside. So whenever we would go on walks, um, I mean, you know if you live in town, you're bound to bump into somebody. And... Um, we really try to make it a point to introduce ourselves, make the first move, because uh, especially in a newly developed neighborhood, a lot of them are, uh, you know, they, they live in their house, and then they leave their house, go straight to work, they travel elsewhere, um, so a lot of them might not have an interest in actually talking to you. You know, when we saw people walking their dogs, it's a great opportunity, get to know their dog's name, pet their dog. Um, Show that you're interested in in their uh, likes. Um, You know, even um, neighbors out cutting their grass or sitting on their front porch, don't sit on your back deck. Go sit on your uh, front porch and uh, just make yourself available for neighbors. We really found that that was a great way to um, get the ball rolling, so to speak. It wasn't until we we moved to our next place that um, reaching out to neighbors kind of took a, a... I guess, kind of went to the next level in our lives. Shelly and I really believe that, you know, God is interested in every detail of our lives, including where he wants us to live physically. Because he knows the people that we're going to be living around. I just want to share a quick uh, testimony of that. So we were very intentional about praying about the house that God wanted us to buy and live in. Um, Because we, you know, we really believe it's not about a good investment opportunity. It's not about, um, you know, Practicality, even so much as who does God want me to live beside within arm's reach to interact with day in and day out. So, um, after much prayer, we, we, we moved to a place where we felt God was leading us to, became quickly very close with an older couple that lived next door to us. Um, we went to their place, they came to our place quite a bit. And it, it wasn't until about a year later that uh, her son and daughter in law came up to visit from Wisconsin. And their names were Josh and Shelley, and they were actually um, Christians. Uh, went to a very uh, a, a praying church down in Wisconsin, and he shared with me that we were a direct answer to a prayer that they had made as a church about a year ago. They uh, they prayed as a church that God would send someone to reach out to his mother and her boyfriend and bring the gospel to them, and it said a year later God has directly answered that with Josh and Shelley. It was a, a really neat experience. Kind of a confirmation for us that, you know, God is um, interested in in the details, no doubt. Um, so I just want to answer a couple of the frequently asked questions that uh, Ben gave me. Uh, the first one is, why are we apprehensive to build relationships with our neighbors? I'll speak from my own experience. Sometimes I think we're scared of what we're going to find. Um, you know, there are certain people that I would, I would perceive coming in and out of their garage, uh, walking down the streets, and, and right away you judge them, right away you, you, uh, n- you know, make an assessment of them, and you think, ooh, that might, you know, what if he talks about this? What if uh, uh, he acts a certain way? How am I going to handle that? I'm, I'm nervous. I don't know how to handle that. And so I think rather than, you know, rising up to the challenge, because, um, you know, God enables us to do that, I think we, I know I would often distance myself. Um... Maybe uh, it's, you know, we're leery of getting in too deep with neighbors. Let's face it, reaching out does require commitment. Um, So, you know, I've seen lots of cases where there's uh, people that once you start to interact with them, you realize, boy, they have a lot of needs that you can um, address, that God has given you the abilities to address. And it's going to take a lot more commitment than you expected you know, maybe even from your regular church schedule, maybe from your work schedule. So that's something that we have to be ready to uh, be available for. Um, and then unsure how to handle hard topics. I, uh, I know even with that uh, older couple I mentioned, um, there, was a, there was a few hard topics that came up, and I was really, at first, I was uh, nervous and, uh, you know, unsure of how to handle them. But then uh, God had to show me that um, if we're grounded in the truth of his word, um, he'll, there's answers there on how to handle those hard topics that are often talked about. Uh, the second question is, how can we be more intentional about reaching out to neighbors? Um, I kind of touched about it briefly in our experiences, but make the first move. Introduce yourself. Uh, don't don't expect people to come up to you because a lot of people are, are shy. Uh, so make that first move. Um, Also, be a presence in your community. I don't want to overlap too much with Judah because he's going to cover community. But um, be a presence in your community. Support the local businesses. Um, Right now, we live really close to a small town. There's no big chain restaurants. There's no big chain grocery uh, stores. The groceries are more expensive. The gas is a little more pricey. But uh, I think as we support those local businesses, we bump into neighbors all the time. And they see that, you know... You're kind of not this separated person, but you're one of them. And uh, I think they'll find you more approachable that way. Um, And and attend functions, town hall meetings, whatever it is. But just be a presence in your community so that people see that you're not distanced from them. Uh, The last question is, what if you don't like your neighbors or you just don't get along with them? Let's face it, we all have someone in our neighborhood that (laughs) kind of rubs us the wrong way. I remember when we lived in town... My neighbor's kids didn't know how to stay on their own property. They'd be running all over my grass, through my gardens. And I, I was so annoyed with them at first. But uh, I think it, it takes a change in uh, perception of that situation. I mean, we ha- we know of a relationship that could change their lives, right? A relationship with Jesus. And God forbid that I would, uh, you know, hamper the progress in sharing that with them by yelling at their kids all the time, get off my lawn. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, my trampled grass is nothing compared to their need for salvation. Um, <clears throat> I think we have to look at, you know, first, why? Why don't you like your neighbors? Um, remember, Jesus loved the unlikable. Um, be quick to forgive. Be quick to show mercy. I remember, and um, Also, be quick to be sensitive to your neighbor's weaknesses. Right now, where we live in Saskatchewan, um, our one neighbor, he's a, a big beef farmer, and he's very, very eccentric. You know, if if we hadn't uh, gotten clear direction from God that he wanted us, meet, Shelley said she was ready to put a for sale sign up right away because he just made you very uncomfortable. Um, you know, we found out he was you know very hard man to get along with, even to do business with. But uh, after you know applying principles that Jesus showed, reaching out, we've quickly made a relationship with him, and we realized that he has this desire to talk about things that are on his mind, and just recently, God opened up an opportunity for us to share the gospel with, so we, we praise God for that, but I just think, if I had, you know, heeded the rest of my neighbor's advice to avoid Jim Harriet, he's the weirdo, um, you know, that opportunity would have never happened, so let's uh, try to move past those things. Thank you.
0: Thanks so much, Josh. I think of the verse, um, you know, we, sometimes we, we hear the verse uh, that we should be in the world, not but not of the world, and, and I know for me, I've kind of thought of that verse, and uh, you know, thought, okay, I should sort of stay within my little den, but I think really getting out there, and uh, interacting with people, um, we're able to share the light of Jesus Christ with them, so thank you so much for that testimony, Josh. Um, why don't I call up Judah then next, to share a little bit uh, about uh, outreach on a, a little bit of a broader level now, so outreach to our community, perhaps not just those, you know, who are, are close neighbors, but uh, more our presence within uh, within society.
2: So. Okay, hello everyone. Um, my experience with um, community outreach um, and and being in uh, a presence in the community um, goes way back to when I was in Phoenix as a young person. Uh, my mom took us, uh, me and my siblings, to this uh, the outreach program that the North Phoenix Church had every Friday Friday evening for the kids. Back in those days, the kids were really interested in basketball. Um, and I usually stayed in the craft room cause I, I wasn't so interested in basketball, but still, so for my early age, um, uh, I was, I had, uh, I had an awareness, um, and, and, an involvement in it. And I, and I thank my, my parents for, for taking us there. I mean, the, the kids who sometimes came were, were rough around the edges. Um, but, uh, my, my mom, uh, wasn't afraid to, to take us in there and, and to make sure that we tried to be intentional about, um sharing the love of God with, with, uh, the friends that we made there. Um, more recently, I, I, live in, in Worcester now, and, uh, back when I was going to school, uh, I would commute back to Worcester on the weekend, and we were really small at that point, maybe five members, but, um, we, we would take a van every Sunday and go pick up young people from the Worcester area, from the different neighborhoods that we had made, uh, connections with, um, over the years, and, um, and that was that was really challenging, too, because often the, the kids that we brought to church would outnumber um, the adults, the members, like there were maybe five of us um, for for quite a while, but there could have been you know ten kids and and these kids um, were not always very respectful either. Sometimes I wonder, like, why are you even here? Like, why do you want to come to church um, and then just disrupt everything? Um, and so uh, God was really able to to work uh, in, in my heart and teach me more patience um, and get me uh, kind of out of my because I, I love things to be set in order and I love kind of the order on knowing like what the order of you know singing here then the sermon then this and whenever you are intentional about drawing people in from the community, um, be prepared for that to be upset a little bit um, and uh, and to be okay with be okay with that I mean I mean order is good and you want to try and bring them into the order right but um, it, it may take it may take a while um and and thank the lord that god that god was able to plant seeds um uh, some of the the young people we've we've brought to our church on a regular basis on sundays um they they haven't take taken good good life paths um and have ended up in in, in bad places um but others have come to know the lord um uh there was there was one where uh, um a young a young girl who um wasn't the most respectful girl but um she uh, she came really faithfully to church uh, on Sundays, and um, years later uh, we we got word from her, and we, we still have contact. You know, she's given her life to the Lord, and she's really passionate on, and on fire, and she she is sharing the gospel with her family um, uh, as well. Um, so that's that's really encouraging um, to see that. My parents uh, most recently um, in the last three years are fostering uh, children and uh, a sibling group of six, actually. And uh, th- I live a two-minute walk away from my parents. And um, so I'm often going over there and just spending time with the kids, uh, helping out, uh, caring for them. Um, and uh, they have a lot of, a lot of needs too. Uh, and so it's not always kind of going out and trying to find um, people, uh, but it's sometimes bringing them uh, into your home as well. Um, when uh, Caleb and I, uh, when I graduated from college, Caleb and I we found a house uh, and and exactly like like Josh was saying we we prayed about it and we wanted to be really intentional about where we set up our residence and um, We chose uh, a um, more economically disadvantaged location of town because we really felt that there were needs there, and that um, the gospel light. Uh, maybe could shine brighter in in that area and and God uh, was able to to bring people into our lives who had had needs Um, so um, we got word of this person who needed a place to stay and we we were able to invite him into our home for a while Um, and that was that was an uncomfortable experience Um, but uh, and, and at and I remember once I was upstairs, and my brother was downstairs, Caleb was downstairs, and um, I was hearing this conversation uh, that was really intense between him and, and this person that we had at our house, and, like, um, I, was, I was a little, like, I, I always thought that, you know, I'd be really bold and, and things, but, like, at that point, I was like, I don't want to go down there, and I was a little scared, <laughs> and, um, and uh, I was just really praying very hard for, for my brother that God would give him the right words. Um, but uh, the person that we invited into our home had anger, anger management Jeez. issues. Um, and uh, I, I, God was giving my brother the words to speak. And, and just like the sermon last night, right, like what, um, what Bezalel was, was saying, um, like, if you go, God will give you strength. God will give you words. the words um, at that moment, at that time. And we ended up uh, needing to find another place for him because we couldn't meet all of needs that this person had we could meet his his most basic needs um like like food and clothing um and and shelter but like in terms of addressing kind of the anger issues that he had and then later on when we had we allowed someone to sleep on our porch um he had um uh he had an addiction to alcohol and we we really couldn't give him the care uh, that that he needed, and so uh, one of the questions that we're going to get into is: Does community outreach need to be organized? And you know, I mean, in the most basic sense, I mean, it doesn't need to be. But um, there's a lot uh, that that comes with with being organized. Like, it would be great if um, we could have been able to you know meet those needs, uh, those deeper uh, kind of needs of chemical dependency. Um, or, or have someone in the congregation um, who could, uh, who we could send them to. And um, I think we could be more organized, and, uh, and, and that would help us be able to get to a deeper level with the people that we, we come in contact with. Um, most recently, um, I'm a landlord, actually. I, I own a triplex, and I try and rent out the other two apartments and live in the one. And um, I'm not a very good landlord in the sense that... Um, I, I haven't been making a lot of money, <laughs> um, and I really, I don't want it to be about the bottom line. Um, God has been providing. I'm very thankful for that, but um, that it's, it, I've put myself into a hard position because how, how do I be a responsible landlord, right? And at the same time, show God's grace, grace uh, show God's love. I would never want to be in a position where I had to throw someone out on the street. And so I've, I've been having to pray for God's wisdom um, uh, a lot in, in some of the situations I've been having to to get in contact with. But actually, if, if any of you know Tim Tomek, um, he actually bought a house right next to mine um, in worcester and i was talking with him and i was so encouraged by him because he takes his landlording very seriously when it comes to an outreach when it comes to evangelism like he's very intentional about sharing the gospel with every single tenant that comes into Jesus. his it comes into his apartment and so i would it's it's a challenge for me and uh if anyone's involved in anything like doesn't have to be landlording but whatever it is just we could be a lot more intentional about using those opportunities um and yes, you're putting yourself in a very vulnerable position then because like, sometimes you don't want to let them know that you're a Christian because then you're afraid that you'll be taken advantage of, right? But like um, allow God to put you in that vulnerable position where you are bold and open about your faith and the implications that that has for your daily life and how you treat others. Um, and trust that God will guide the relationship. <clears throat> um, so just some of the questions uh, up, up here on... On the screen, <clears throat> as followers of Christ, what should be our place in the community? The first, the first thing that comes to mind, I mean, we, we've gone over a lot of the theory, a lot of the scripture, but, like, be the salt and light. Um, and sometimes um, we don't spread ourselves out a lot as salt and light. Um, sometimes the salt and light kind of stays in certain neighborhoods. It doesn't really... Um, go very much to other neighborhoods. And, and, and um, you know, we do, like, like, there are things like soup kitchens where we go to one of those disadvantaged neighborhoods and we do help out there, and, and that's great. But it's kind of like a come-and-go type of a thing. And uh, it has its place, but it's, it's harder, not impossible, but it's harder to get to a deeper level unless um, you're willing to spend more time there. there. Um, uh, maybe, possibly, you know, think of becoming a neighbor to people in, in, in that area. And so that's um, that's a potential um, way of outreach. And, and in terms of what our places in the community, we're living in a lot of broken communities where communities are breaking down. Um, Society is becoming fragmented and, and really there's not much community to speak of in the first place. Um, and so... Uh, something that I really appreciate about um, the Worcester congregation is most of us live within walking distance of each other. Um, and I think that that is a really powerful testimony that we could probably be more intentional about communicating to the community. Is like just the fact that like we're walking to each other's houses and we have this community within you know, uh, a society that's breaking down. Um, we have a kingdom family to offer to people who, don't, who have broken families and who are in broken, broken broken communities. Um, So does community outreach need to be organized? Um, You can only do so much um, by yourself. Um, Jesus sent the disciples out two by two. Um, You know, it was such a good thing for me and Caleb to both move in to uh, that neighborhood together because where I was weak, um, God used God used him sometimes, um, and but it, we could get even more organized than that. Um, like we, we invite people to church, but sometimes you know maybe like are we apprehensive to bring people to church? are we like is the church going to surround that person um, and, and welcome them in and love them like that 's something where we need to be thinking collectively about in an organized way as individual congregations. Um, how can we be more? Organized in uh, when when someone does come to church, about really reaching out to them and showing the Praise love to the them and communicating them. the gospel to them. You know, we we have this tight knit community, um, and that's a great thing. We should never get rid of it. That's part of our roots going down deep, right? But we need to make sure that it's not so tight knit that it's kind of impossible for someone to make their way into it who's not been raised uh, with our heritage, right? So yes, keep the tight knit, but make it open enough and welcoming enough to bring people into that family, people with completely different backgrounds than what we're used to and what we're comfortable with. And finally, where can we begin if we have a desire to get involved in community outreach, but don't know where to start? Uh, that's a great question. And uh, it depends on, on where you are and, and what, um, what community God has put you in or what communities are near you. Um, a simple way maybe is to, to just volunteer at um, something like an after school program, um, some of the members in, in our congregation they actually uh, for a long time they, they worked at a yMC after school program and that really built a lot of meaningful relationships with the young people in that after school program and, and now quite a few of them come come to church on a regular basis so it could start with something as simple as simple as that, um, or starting your own you know, neighborhood outreach if your congregation doesn't have one. You know, talk to churches like Kitchener um, with their lighthouse ministry and, uh, and others and, and the, the peer ministry in San Diego and see what, see what works in their context and see how God might be directing your congregation to, to start something like that. Um, I would encourage you to walk instead of drive. Uh, we live in a very fast-paced culture. And, um, you know, with our windows up and our, and our music on, we're sometimes just so, we're in a bubble, Right. And how to outreach is to first get ourselves outside this fast-moving bubble and, um, and walk if we can. I realize that some people have very long commutes, and that would be practically impossible. But where it's possible, like, just do, make small decisions where you make yourself more available to your surround. Um, <clears throat> and then when you're on the sidewalk, right, um, don't give in to kind of the impersonal aura on the sidewalk where, you know, you avoid eye contact um, and yes. and all that, like... Just really be praying for God to open up opportunities. Um, and they're going to be, when God does answer your prayer, they're probably going to be inconvenient opportunities because we live such busy lives. Um, we need to get from point A to point B. We need to be there. I don't have time really to invest in this person, and so I really don't make relationships with my neighbors because um, people's lives are messy. It's to preach the gospel effectively to person's person is going to take A lot of my time, and I simply don't have it. Um, Well, maybe make time, right? Um, Work less. Um, If that means living more simply, um, so be it. Um, Make room. I I was speaking with uh, Wilf Shorman um, just last week at Western Camp, and he said something that I really appreciate, that if, if I am not in a position to kind of drop what I'm doing and talk to someone, then something's wrong then I'm not doing, I'm not, I'm not patterning my life appropriately. We need to be able to structure our lives and our time scales in a way where we're able to do that. Because uh, otherwise, we won't want to make contact because we simply don't have the time. Um, <clears throat> and again, just pray where, and be intentional about where you locate. You know, if you're in a, in a place, point in life, where you're thinking about moving somewhere, just be really intentional, like Josh said, about where you um, where you take up residence because God is able to, to use that and might want to be directing you, maybe not to like a foreign mission field far away, but maybe a mission field that's neglected um, within your own city.
0: Appreciate that. Um, so the next category that we'll move on to is outreach to a specific group of people, so the homeless and the needy. Um, just a quick comment to make before we call up uh, Sister Anita. Um, I think the homeless are some of those that are probably the most visibly in need but oftentimes very invisible um, we don't see them uh, in a, again like judah was saying in our fast-paced society um, we tend to just sort of rush past these and people they can very much be neglected but we see again the example of christ that he um, took time for those who were in the greatest need um, so i'd like to call up anita to share a little bit of her experience i just
3: wanted to give some background on how we got involved in serving uh, meals to the homeless I just wanted to give some background on how our group got involved in serving Meal to the Homeless, and it was sort of a chain of events. And I wrote my thoughts down so I wouldn't forget anything. So a sister from our church worked for a Christian organization in our community called Ray of Hope. There was a need of the group to conduct a chapel time for some juvenile offenders in one of the group homes. Some of the members of our local church were interested and started at Anchor House in 1993, conducting the chapel time once a month, then bi-weekly, then weekly for many years until it closed down. One brother who had uh, conducted the Anchor House invited a number of us from church to attend an informational session for other areas of this organization that needed volunteers to meet the needs in our city, such as Big Brothers, Big Sisters, tutoring for juvenile offenders in the home, and serving meals at the Oasis Center downtown. One sister approached me expressing her desire to help out preparing a meal once a month as she felt that this was an area where she would feel most comfortable in the kitchen, but she needed support and couldn't do it alone. I said I could support her 100%. Initially, we thought we would put a list on the Bolton board at church for food donations to prepare our meals, but our church board suggested that they would reimburse our costs if there was enough funds and donations that were earmarked for the soup kitchen oasis. So we have encouraged those who wanted to contribute financially to earmark th- their donations as such. We started this in November of 2005, almost 10 years ago. Ray of Hope, or Oasis as we call it, is a building downtown that is used to serve meals to the homeless and needy of our city. On any given night, Oasis will host up to 250 men, women, and children in need of a warm meal. The meals are cooked and served by various church groups and organizations that work on a rotational basis. Our group volunteers on the fourth Thursday of the month... We extended an invitation to all, particularly those in the CFG over the age of 16, to participate in this ministry. It has been a blessing to all those who participate and help out preparing the meals, serving the meals, and fellowshipping, playing games with those that come out. This ministry is a relatively simple and effective way to fulfill our Christian calling as we are working for the kingdom and our faith will hopefully be challenged and strengthened throughout the interaction with those attending. This is also a good way for high school students to put in their required community service hours. We have a core group of regulars and then volunteers that rotate in. Usually we need about 10 volunteers per night, and we have had 74 volunteers from our local church help out over the 10 years, serving 112 meals as of last month. This is the mission statement from the Ray of Hope organization. There are many misconceptions about the downtown core, especially about people who walk the streets at night looking for a safe place to sleep. The circumstances that surround each of these people are different, yet similar. Poverty, homelessness, lack of skills, substance abuse, violence, all wrapped in the belief that there is no hope. Oasis is a place of safety and support, a place where people can go in times of need. Most of all, Oasis is a place where the tired, lonely, and discouraged can find a friend. Oasis uses a focused approach to meeting the needs of women and men and their families struggling to overcome poverty and homelessness. We reach out to the poor and needy by providing meals, emergency groceries, personal hygiene products, clothing, blankets, towels, and other necessities. We rely on the generosity of people in the community to provide these things. This is where our church contributes by providing meals. And some of the frequently asked questions. How can we meet people's physical how can meeting people's physical needs impact them spiritually? We serve those in need. Of a hot meal with a smile, and we show them love because we have taken time to prepare and serve a meal without asking anything in return. Whenever I am around a homeless people, I feel uncomfortable. How can I get over this? It can be uncomfortable, especially the first couple times, but after 10 years and seeing a lot of familiar faces, you begin to feel a connection with them. We have even commented among ourselves, I haven't seen so and so around. I wonder how they're doing. While we wear name tags, the homeless do not, so we may not even know their names, so we refer to them with reference to what makes them unique by appearance or otherwise, like Mr. Bushy Eyebrows. I haven't seen him in a while. Also, I worked downtown for about six years, just a couple of blocks from the building where we served the meals, and some of the people we served I would see at work when they came into the pharmacy. After I changed work location, some of those coming to the center for a meal would ask where I was working, since they didn't see me serving a meal they have when they saw me serving a meal since they didn't see me at the pharmacy anymore. So we do get to know each other. In this setting, it is less intimidating dating as we work together with a group from church and there are also volunteers that run the center so it's not just one-on-one. Many times they thank us for the meal and tell us how delicious it was. It is also quite rewarding. I always ask a new recruit to our group of their first impression of their experience and quite often I have received comments. It wasn't what I expected. The homeless people look like regular people. And almost always the new volunteers comment how rewarding it was to meet such a basic need to those around us. What resources are available to aid those who have a desire to get involved in outreach to the homeless and needy? There most likely is some organization in your community that is established and in need of volunteers to help out in your local soup kitchen or food bank. That certainly would be a good way to find out what needs are available that could guide you in the areas that would be best suited to help out with. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much, Anita. Uh, for the sake of time, we'll continue uh, moving on right away, and we'll try to limit it to, I, we have to be wrapped up by 22-12, so about, that gives you about seven or eight minutes each. So next we'll call up Edmund uh, to share a little bit about uh, the school and the workplace setting. In
4: the interest of time, I'll just uh, try to incorporate my experiences with the questions. Uh, just one thought about the, the neighborhood thing. Um, where we live, uh, we don't have, uh, we're not in development. We're acres away and people have long driveways with the intention of keeping people away so we're wondering how we're going to get to know our neighbors and and get past that you know intentional barrier and so what we usually do is we have a we write a, a little blurb on christmas time about our family and try to incorporate the gospel in there as we relate you know some cute stories about what our kids are doing And so with my wife's gift of, you know, making it look pretty and including a Toblerone bar, we packed the kids in the car and we drove down those driveways, you know, much against my kids' objections and knocked on the door and delivered our little letter and we got to know our neighbors and uh, it was good. You know, some of them now ask to pet sit for them and so on. So sometimes we do have to be intentional to to break those barriers. Um, I've been asked to talk about school workplace. Um... And uh, the first question here was about how close our relationship should, should be with our classmates slash uh, co Just sitting here, it occurred to me that perhaps God had prepared me to be uh, uh, at the right to, for, for being effective in school by having no friends, uh, by being such an antisocial person. Um, because one of the things I find limiting now is kind of relational bandwidth of being able to have the time and relational capacity to reach more and more people. And at the time, well, when I was converted, I had no friends. Um, uh, besides having poor social skills, all of my friends at, at, at uh, church, uh, the, the nearest young man was uh, 45 years old and I was 17. Um, so it, this allowed me the ability to really get involved and maybe even latch onto as a best friend Uh, the people that God brought into my life. Um, But it, it, I had to cross some barriers. There was definitely lots of fear in my life. Uh, That's, you know, I had had taken the chameleon approach to avoiding uh, being uh, um, mocked for my faith. And so I I had done such a great job that uh, when I finally, God convicted me to tell my co-workers that I was now going to church and had become a Christian they were like shocked and said you go to church and I guess I did a really good job of acting um, but God convicted me then when you know I was you know some friend was inviting me to a party and I was going to take my usual approach of saying well you know I'm busy I got some other commitment and God said no you're not being consistent and so I I, I shared that I found something better, and by becoming open and by being transparent, um, there's quite a few people that got into real conversations, and, and that's how I met my best friend, Alan Jarveen, who became my brother-in-law, um, and uh, many others through that. As far as like, being prepared and feeling like, like, well, I don't know enough, you know, school settings was excellent. There was a lot of opportunities. Uh, people are still asking questions. They were kind of more open that way. And, you know, they say, I'm a secular humanist. I had no idea what that was. I, mean, I know I'm human too. But uh, <clears throat> or, <laughs> or, right, I have no idea what all these things were. But, you know, the Lord, just by sharing your story and, and being transparent, you know, we were able to engage. And, and, and there was some fruit from that. As far as uh, then now now that I'm a coworker, I have to say that I have not had the relational bandwidth to do as much, and it's been a little bit convicting, because now uh, just this summer my son is uh, got a co-op term. I got a co-op term working at IBM, and uh, then you know I'm going to lunch with him, and when he lets me, and. <clears throat> uh, It's kind of exposing the fact that all these years I've been kind of like, you know, I've slid into kind of just having lunch at my desk, and, you know, I want to get home to my family. That's my priority, and I don't want to spend too much time at work. And that's avoided a lot of opportunities. And then, you know, when I go to work with the other co-ops, and, oh, you know, so she's Jewish, and she's got an issue with, you know, her faith, and I'm going to have an opportunity. All these opportunities come out when you're in a social context. And so, by avoiding that, uh, like there's something we talked about—the bubble that our neighbors have when they're trying to avoid contact. Well, to be honest, I think I've heard someone call it rabbit hole Christianity, where we kind of have—we're in our—you know—we go from our Christian home and we scurry to you know our you know work, but we then we run to our Christian activity in the evening. We're always in our Christian uh, uh, friends and circles. And we don't have contact. the salt isn't out of the salt shaker. it's not having contact, and then that prevents opportunity so one time when I did have opportunity, I went to as uh, a story that went to to the gym they had they had free food I like free food. Um, we have a gym at work, which is kind of handy. I get to I have to beat the traffic and get up at five, so I go there and and have my shower there and I might as well doing my exercise there. So I met someone who had been working with us, and it's kind of uh, kind of addressing the, like, you know, how do you raise in professionalism? You kind of have to sometimes get out of that, you know, working thing into a social interaction. So, you know, something that's kind of a little bit out of the, the work day. And so, you know, we got in a conversation about his kid and, you know, his you know, teenager, and how do you know what's right and wrong, and well, that developed into worldview issues and... And I could see we could go somewhere, so you know we scheduled having lunches together. And you know he happens to be Buddhist and well, you know Eastern uh, philosophy. And God, in, you know, God provided you know the opportunities to kind of talk to him and share, you know, that you really don't have a basis for morality. But you know, out of the philosophy into the actual practical life. Um, and uh, he came to to church once, but uh, the others. <clears throat> Like how does it impact relationship with friends and coworkers? Um, there's someone who you know I had been meeting with lunch for lunch for a long time, you know, and and after a while, you know, they're not initiating, and you can see there's not an interest, and kind of gets more and more spread out. You know, we've covered a lot of the basics. They know what they need to do next. They're not willing, and he actually was pretty open at some point saying he knows that he's just not willing to take that step of commitment. He he knew there was a God, he had come to the conclusion he was Chinese and, you know, had come from a, a, an atheistic background, but he knew there must be a God, but taking that actual step of commitment was something he had not... But, you know, then when I just kind of reach out to him again, let's get together for lunch, hey, my son's here, let's, you know, introduce him, you know, because that relationship's there, the, the conversation has been started, even though it had not have fruit back then, five years ago or whatever, now as well you know what i'm really in trouble my you know i've got these huge issues at home i don't know how to handle it you know and and they know where to turn uh, when the, when those crises are, and they know the framework that you're coming from, and you can minister to them from biblical worldview um, so how to maintain professionalism? I mentioned that I work for IBM it's a fairly professional code of ethics and there's there's basically kind of three um, three categories you have to be aware of, right? <clears throat> um, one is when you're speaking to someone who's in higher authority, someone when you're speaking to someone who's uh, under your authority, and maybe speaking to an opposite gender, are, are kind of three kind of boundaries you need to be sensitive about when you're, you're sharing your faith. Um, sharing with someone who's higher in authority, really your issue is fear. You've got to, you know, <laughs> be willing to... <laughs> Uh, Put your job, and and, you know you you don't have to be brash about it, but you know you can certainly share your faith and what God's doing. And you know my my boss, who's Catholic, has heard enough as I'm talking to people right next to him at the at the when we go out to eat and take someone out to eat when it's like they're saying goodbye or whatever. We get into pretty good conversations, but uh, it's more an issue when uh, you're talking to someone who's beneath you, you have to be aware that uh, you're not abusing your position, that, you know, there's a co-op student who's working with me, they need to listen to what I'm saying, because, you know, I'm in a position of authority now, you got to listen to me as I I talk to you about my faith, and you better respond positively, because your job's on the line, or your evaluation, or (laughs) thing like that, you know, (sighs) you have to be very careful that you're not abusing your position in order to promote your faith, and that certainly can, you know, uh, and will be interpreted as, uh, you know, in today's culture, as, as, as al- you're already suspect, so, for you to cross that boundary. So, but that doesn't mean I don't share my faith, I just need to seek uh, a context that's not, you know, directly to the job, something where we are going to lunch, or we are gonna, it is coming up in conversation, and make sure that there's some separation, so that I can share my faith as a person, you know, as well as give them you know, direction uh, uh, for, for their work and, and keep those separate. Um, that's good.
0: Thank you very much. Um, the last, we'll turn it over to Adam um, to share about outreach to the lost and unsaved. So about five to seven.
5: Good um, afternoon. Uh, my name is Adam from California, San Diego, and uh, we have a ministry out there um, called Operation Lighthouse. And the way it got started was a brother came up to me in church one time, and we've been both had like this desire from within. It's like, dude, we need to do something, right? Like, it just you know, was, there wasn't like a lot going on, going on like with the outreach within the church. So this brother comes up to me, he's like, I don't, we need to do something. I'm like, dude, I know. Like, let's go. What are we gonna do? So we went and talked to the um, ministers and elders about it, and they're like, okay, like we'll pray about it and we'll see, you know, where the Lord leads. And we're like, okay, cool. So. And we kept bugging him and bugging him. And every time, it's like, we'll pray about it, we'll pray about it, we'll pray about it. And, like, it was a while. And we were just like, okay, like, how long does it take to pray about something that God wants to do? And so um, we had the idea, um, I believe God put it in us, just to go out to the pier. If you don't know what a pier is, um, it's something, it's on the ocean or a lake. Um, It's like a big wooden pathway, and it goes, like, straight out into the ocean. It's cool. It's like walking on water, so to speak. But so we went out there at first, and uh, we didn't know what we were doing. Uh, I mean, it, it was, was just so, at first, like, nerve-wracking and, like, scary. So we just brought a guitar, and we started singing, and um, it actually turned out great. So people were like, what are you guys doing? And we're like, dude, it's praising God. <laughs> you know, what are you doing? You know, how's, how, what, what are you doing in life? What's your life about? And it just ended up, you know, just about building relationships and conversation with people. And then later on, God just, um, you know, we, just, we go every Tuesday from 7 to 9, and God just, you know, just helped it just flourish. Because of um, our commitment, because we wanted to be committed, and we noticed that was lacking in our lives at first. It's like, you know, can we do this once, you know, once a week for two hours? And but God said, go, go. You know, we we responded to that go aspect. He said, go. And We're like, okay, we're gonna go because if we don't go, something bad's gonna happen. And so in going, it turned into guitar. Then we found a chair, and we would like, you know, go in the chair. Well, I don't know if our ministers know this, so. Um, them. We'd go in the church and, like, sneak the Bibles that were, like, sitting in their minister's room that had dust on them. And we'd grab them and go and, you know, take the Bibles and just put them on a little chair in the pier. And we'd be like, hey, do you guys want some free Bibles? And they're like, yeah, sure. Like, people actually took free Bibles. And we talked to them, you know, about the gospel. It was just so awesome. And um, the Bibles ran out, obviously, in church. You know, there was only, like, a little cupboard, So we're just like, oh, man, what to do now? And, um, you know, at first it was tough because, you know, we started hitting roadblocks. You know, at first, it was hard to get money. Money was was an issue, and you know, we tried, you know, funding ourselves for a while, and you know, it it was getting tough. And so, I came to a point within my life; I was getting so frustrated because I wasn't getting, um, you know, what we need from the church. And one of the brothers that started it with me, he he kind of left the ministry because um, he brought like a little box drum thing, and they didn't really like it. And they're like, "Yeah, you shouldn't bring that out there." And so he kind of got like, you know, it's not it's not always easy. You know, you don't know what you're doing, first of all, when you go out. Just, you know, just take a step of faith. And, um, you know, and things happen. You know, it's, it really is warfare. You know, and for us, you know, in, for me being used to being in the military, um, I, I, I address it as warfare. You know, it's really important. for me, it's important because, um, you know, there, there is nothing else more real than this battle that we have. You know, and it's not that we wrestle against people when we go out in the pier. Like Apostle Paul said, it's like, we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. It's not me versus them. You know, it's me versus the principalities and things in spiritual high places that are just trying to tear people, you know, apart. And that's, um, you know, it's been a tough road. But after, you know, getting through the roadblocks, God just blessed it even more to where now we have like a table and like a little, like, I don't know what you call it, like an oil lamp and like tons of Bibles. We did not have to pay for Bibles anymore. I mean, we just get them, you know, from people and donations. And um, the Apostolic Christian Church Publishing Company gives us Bibles for free. And, um, you know, and there's a brother in our church who prints us, like, coloring books. And um, it's just awesome. I have pictures on my phone if if you're really interested to see what it looks like afterwards. And it's not, you know, just, I learn more. It's not so much as, you know, trying to convert people, you know, on the spot. What am I going to say? What am I going to do? It's more of, like, recognizing who I am in Christ, you know, and knowing that I am his son and he's given us authority just to go out and be like him. You know, it's grace. It's really good. So, um, I don't know if you want to move on to the questions. What are the challenges that can come from being involved in an outreach? So lost, um, fear. Fear was a um, big one, and God just kept telling me, "It's like Adam, die to yourself already." It's like, what do you mean, die to myself? And because you know, it's like we always think of this die to self thing as you know, staying away from sin he's like, no, it's, it's, it goes deeper. Dying to everything you once knew, how you reacted with people, how you respond to people in certain situations. Like we talked about earlier, it's like, what if you don't like your neighbor? If you don't like your neighbor and you're a believer, there's something wrong. <laughs> I'm just going to say it. You know, you, you should have almost no reason to love your neighbor. If someone, it's like someone put it like this to me once. If you squeeze an orange and apple juice comes out, Dude, there's something wrong, <laughs> right? Vice versa, you squeeze an apple and orange juice comes out. You know, call up one of your buddies be like, dude, I just squeezed an apple and orange juice came out. And they'd be like, what were you really drinking, right? But if you squeeze an orange and orange juice comes out, okay, it's good, right? It's normal. So us as believers in Christ, you know, if anyone squeezes you being a believer and they get anything but Jesus Christ all over them, there's an issue within here. So, I mean, I just want to encourage you, just, just die to yourself. Get over that fear, and if someone pushes your buttons, whether it be a brother and sister, a lost member, or anybody, just put on the armor of God, you know? Like, you can really be untouchable, you know? If someone pokes you and, and gets angry, I, I, I go to a school, it's a new age school. It's pretty scary there, and like... People constantly try to squeeze me and poke my buttons, but I just walk around, smile on my face, I like, dude, what's up? <laughs> like, Jesus loves you guys. You know, like, let's talk. You know, like, you don't have to right away just, you know, just be all, like, scared and afraid in that bubble. Like, you really have the ability, the truth will set you free of what anybody, you know, like, thinks about you. It's like, I'm not out of my mind when I say this. I'm just out of your mind, right, which makes me free from you because I'm free from myself. I'm following the Lord. Yes. Third question. How can we get others in our local church to join the outreach um, ministry? Um, My psychology teacher told me once, you can't lead a horse to the water. No, you can lead a horse to the water, but you you can't make him drink it. I told him, yeah, but you can ride the horse long enough to make it thirsty. That's true, right? (laughs) Dude, just encourage people. You know, like... um, really quick on the second question does everyone with the gift of evangelism um, call, I'm, I'm gonna say no on the second question um i think we're all called to live a you know holy and and just a different just be you know peculiar you know in another sense like weird but in a good way right so um i'm gonna say no just pray about it and you know you're all here so if you're all here and, and maybe god may be calling you to be an evangelist in some formal way thank you
0: thanks so much adam why don't we uh, close off with a prayer? It looks like people are starting to trickle in. So why don't we rise for that? Dear Father in Heaven, we just want to come to you at the end of this forum. Thank you so much uh, for your presence here with us. Uh, we thank you, Father, that uh, you have given us each a desire within our hearts to reach out to others. And um, we pray that you would build that desire even more. Um, we thank you for the practical lessons that we've been able to learn today. And we pray that you would help us as we leave this place to be more intentional in our outreach um, to those around us, uh, no matter where it would be. Uh, We commit our lives into your hands and thank you for all that you've done and pray that you would um, use us as your hands and feet to reach out to um, this world that is lost and dying. We thank you so much. Pray this now in Jesus' name.